Great news, my cruciferous cousins. Plant Strong Foods is hosting a March Madness Meals and Minutes sale. Visit plantstrong.com and save up to 30% on every one of our ready-to-eat chilies and stews. It is the perfect time to stock up on these heat-and-eat tasty meal solutions. Having a stash in your pantry means you're never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal. The sale runs through March 17th while supplies last. Visit plantstrong.com today. Every day I get to live out my values and I have pretty basic values, kindness, mercy, you know, being a good steward of the planet. And so I get to every day that I eat this way, I get to sort of practice what internally makes me feel good. So there's a contentedness that I have that I I never experienced before. Season three of the Plant Strong Podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get Plant Strong together. Welcome to another episode of the Plant Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Rip Esselstyn. If there's one person who has put a face on the vegan lifestyle, it would have to be today's guest, Kathy Freston. Kathy has written nine books, including the popular Veganist, The Lean, and Clean Protein, among many of them. And she's been an outspoken plant-based proponent in the mainstream media for many years, including popular appearances on the iconic Oprah show, Ellen, Good Morning America, and The View, just to name a few. Her new book, written with last week's guest, Gene Stone, is called 72 Reasons to be Vegan. And we continue this conversation in her usual approachable and attainable way. And that's what I love about Kathy. Her philosophy is progress over perfection because, let's face it, no one is perfect and we're all on a journey towards making ourselves better humans. You'll hear this sentiment in spades when she shares her own moment of personal truth and evolution. And if any of you have ever had a pet, I think you'll be able to relate. If you haven't met Kathy before, I know you'll respect her honesty and passion. 72 Reasons is an extension of the work that she's been doing for years. And judging by her enthusiasm and her inner and outer beauty, she won't be stopping anytime soon. Welcome, Kathy Freston. Kathy Freston, it is so good to see you. It's it's been uh, it's been a couple of years. Um, you have some exciting stuff going on right now. But before we talk about the new book that you just came out with just a couple of days ago, I want to uh, take a step back for a sec and talk about. Um, well, first, you know, you have been an icon in the in the vegan plant based movement for a long time right now. And uh, a lot of the people that are coming up now pushing plants, I think are, I think it's fair to say are, are standing on your shoulders and uh, just want to appreciate you for everything that you've done because it is, it is quite a commitment, right? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Kathy, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have written what, seven books? Is this your seventh? Ninth. <laughs> Ninth. Oh my goodness gracious. So have you always loved to write? Is this something that um I've always loved to write? And it's funny, Rip, because I was thinking about it. I was like, uh, at this point, I don't know what else I I this is what I know how to do, you know. I just know how to write. So I think, oh, it'd be such an exciting time to be an entrepreneur in the plant-based world, you know, and 
like yourself and create a company. And I'm like, you know what? The truth is I know how to write. It's what I love doing. I'm an introvert. So I get to be at home and do all my research and think about stuff. And I, and, and it's just kind of what I do, you know, yeah. but I, yeah, I, I, I write. Well, you know, you and I, we, well, the first time that we, the first time we met was you were uh, doing the red carpet interviews at the Forks Over Knives premiere oh, in, in yeah. LA. That's right. And, for and, Ellen. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and my, my father and I came down and you interviewed us. And that was, that was, it was really an honor for me to, to meet you that first time. The second time was in Fremont. We were both doing the, the TED Talks there. Yes, that's right. That's, that Anil Godhani had put together. And yeah. we were in the back room afterwards. And um, I came up to you and we were talking. And um, I was like, you got to meet this guy, Gene Stone, right? He's helped me. He's helped me with some of my books. He's this great guy. And so I don't know if you remember or not, but I connected you two and you guys met. I think it was in New York, maybe couple months later. Ah, that's right. Yeah. And then we got along like a house on fire. <laughs> and we right. never worked together until now, but uh, we got along so well. I remember we met, I think it was at an Indian restaurant and we just sat down and you know, those instantaneous friendships. It's just like, I'm going to tell you my deepest secret, secrets. And we, we would just talked and talked and talked and, and he became uh, one of my very best friends and is to this day. So thank you for that. Oh yeah. Well, and, and look what's come of it. You guys wrote this spectacular book, right? Oh, 72 reasons to be <laughs> vegan. Why plant-based period. Why now period, not question marks, period. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Exactly. And, then, and then we also talked about cooking and pots and pans and you had some extra pots and pans and you were so Oh my nice. gosh, that's right. I and had you, like this whole set that somebody yeah. gave me that I wasn't going to, because my, you know, my kitchen was only so big yeah. and you're yeah. like, I could use a new, a new set. Yeah, that's right. Well, and there's so many times that you have that conversation and somebody says, oh yeah, I'll mail those to you. And they never mail them. And yeah. literally like a week later, there they were from Kathy Freston. I'm like, oh my gosh, what an angel, absolute <laughs> angel. Oh, uh, yeah. I love it. I love it when all the good stuff comes around, you know, it's just, yeah. we, uh, you took care of me, introduced me to Gene and, you know, just run into each other. And it, it's, it's kind of wonderful. Well, Our community is pretty great. It goes back to one of your books, expect a miracle, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 2000, like four, you wrote that something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm a very different person than I was when I wrote that book, but uh, you know, cause Back then, I don't know. It was it was it was a very sort of um, I don't know, very spiritual book, I guess, about relationships yeah. and everything. But I still I love the sentiment of expecting a miracle. You know, like yeah. just expect something crazy, wonderful to come out of the blue, and you know, prepare yourself for it because why not? And uh, and then something happens. You wake up one day and your life is different. You no, know? I, I haven't read that book, mm -hmm. but tell me this because. Expect a miracle. I like it. But to me, you also have to kind of, you have to do something to make that miracle happen. You can't That's just right. sit, sit totally. on your, sit on your totally. ass. Right? Totally. So it's like, expect a miracle, basically put your intention out and then become the person who could show up for something great happening. So mm -hmm. work on yourself. That's exactly the whole point of the thing. It's like, we can't just sit here and like, imagine something I imagine I'm going to have, you know, right. a red Corvette or whatever. It's just like, you know, set your intention, but then do the work to become the person who, when it, when, you know, you, you meet that potential in the road, you're ready for it. And I mean, look at you. I mean, you have gotten miracles. Look at you've written now what nine books, right? Mm -hmm. And with each book, I'm sure you put it out into the universe and yeah. gives back to you, right? In, yeah, in some it really way, does. It really, it really does. Yeah, it really and, does. And there's a certain amount, as you know, you and I both know of vulnerability and putting something that you've worked so hard out there. Well, I, I tell you, that's a big thing for me because, you know, it's, it's uh, a, a, as someone who's more introverted, 
you know, the big part of the, the book is promotion and getting out there and talking about it. And, uh, and you, it's like a baby. Like I really want it. I want this baby to do well. I want this baby to thrive in life, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it, it, you, you are vulnerable. It's like, this is the work that I spent the last year doing. And I really hope you like it. I really hope it connects, you know? Well, and, and like, for example, when you wrote quantum wellness, right. Mm-hmm. And then and you t- tell me if this is right, but you somehow you put it out there and I think a miracle happened. You got on Oprah and then Oprah and her whole staff decided to, to do your quantum wellness program, 30 day program. Yeah. The cleanse. Yeah. I mean, did you ever see that coming from, or did you no. just, no, no, absolutely not. So um, my, my uh, publisher just called and called and called. So, you know, it's not really a miracle. Like it came out of the blue. He was calling, calling, calling. And I guess he put on enough pressure, but God bless her. She had me on. And the thing was, she had like a whole slew of producers, you know, and they, they, they said, whatever you do, do not talk about the vegan stuff. Yeah, because the book Quantum Wellness was about a lot of things. It was about, you know, relationships and, uh, you know, meditation and doing a cleanse, which happened to be vegan and all of this stuff. But some of it was about the ethics of eating animal foods. And she had been sued by uh, the meat industry for saying something as bland as, oh, I'm never going to eat another burger again. And so they came after her. And I think she spent uh, probably a year in court fighting the meat industry because they said that she libeled them. And so she ended up winning and she came out victorious, but I think it was probably pretty traumatizing. I mean, she had to be, I think it was in Texas, wasn't it? It was, it was a Texas, Texas, uh, cattlemen's, I think association. That's right. That's right. So she had to spend a lot of time in Texas, which I'm sure that part was great, but you know, you're away from home and all of that stuff. So her producers were like, she, you know, we don't want her, she doesn't want to go near that conversation. So I was prepared to talk about meditation and relationships and all of that stuff. I was not going to breathe the word. It's like, Oprah doesn't want you to talk about something. You're not going to talk about something. And then Oprah being Oprah, first we did a radio show. So she had um, a radio show. So I arrived and the night before we did the radio show. And then the next day we taped the TV show. So I did the radio show first and I'm like ready to talk. And she zeroes right in. on. so, so tell me what's wrong with eating eggs. And I was like, uh, you know, is it really cruel? Are eggs really cruel? And I was like, okay, Oprah's asking me this stuff. So I'm going to show up. And I really had no idea that this was going to be. And then she, you know, got super excited about the whole thing. And on the TV show, she wanted to do the cleanse. And then people followed along for 30 days. And, you know, it was one of those things that just took off. And I kind of, that sort of changed the course of my writing because I really became someone who was much more writing about veganism and plant-based foods. Right. And then your next book was vegan-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And then then clean protein. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, you know, fantastic that people, Mm. I mean, people just don't understand that the cleanest, best, strongest protein comes from plants. It's the best. And I love the way that you talk about it as an athlete, you know, as a dude that wants to be strong. It's like, no, this is like, I love the way you say plant strong, because it's just this stuff makes you I just did an interview actually right before this and the guy interviewing me. Um, I think he was probably an older gentleman. And he said, um, you know, I kind of worry about going vegan because I worry about not having enough energy and, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm going to lose muscle tone and everything. And I was like, oh my God, have you seen the athletes? I mean, they're world famous athletes and people such as yourself, just rocking this lifestyle and showing that you have so much more energy. It's just the opposite of what people used to think even 20 years ago, you know, people were thinking it was like, uh, you know, very wimpy diet. And it's just like, no, the super athletes in the world are, are eating this way because it is so powerful. Yeah. So season three of the mm-hmm. plant strong podcast 
we're kind of diving into understanding people like yourself or scientists or doctors. And Mm -hmm. what was their Galileo moment where, or their aha moment where they were like, you know what? I, I can't eat animals any longer. I can't do dairy. Plants somehow appeared before you and the truth was unveiled and it changed your trajectory, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when did that happen to you? Why are you vegan? Well, so that was probably a little over 17 years ago. I've been vegan for about 16 years. So, so about 17 plus years ago, I, I, you know, I had written a lot on relationships and sort of spirituality and how to wake up in your life so that you are your best self. And I realized that I had not really given food much thought. I didn't never really looked under the hood at how food is produced. And I, I grew up in Doraville, Georgia, you know, small city in uh, Georgia, and I ate everything. I didn't think twice about it. I had chicken fried steak. I had, you know, my dad would throw a steak on the grill once a week. I had my smoothie. You want to hear what my protein smoothie was? Back I love to. Yes. <laughs> it was, um, milk and a little bit of juice, a raw egg and fruit. That was my protein smoothie. How did I not die? How? Well, I, I, I don't know, but can I, <laughs> let me inter- interject for a sec, because yeah. I think this is great. So, and I want you to continue on with that story. So let's not forget your journey, yeah. but you mentioned milk as the first thing, right? So I'm imagining yeah. that's cow's milk, right? Yeah, sure. So in one of your, uh, one of your chapters, Mm-hmm. In your new book, 72 Reasons to be Vegan, yeah. is, uh, is basically how cow's milk is kind of gross. And I would say it's more than kind of gross. It's like severely gross. Yeah, it's but, gnarly. Like what, what's wrong with milk? Well, okay. So say, so milk is from a lactating mother. You know, it's the fluid to give her baby uh, or baby calf, baby person, whatever, so that, so that that little being can put on a lot of weight and develop and all of that stuff. Right. And so here in the, in, in the modern world, you know, babies are weaned off of mother's milk at one, maybe two, maybe beyond that, but pretty much not beyond two. Right. So, um, so the idea that we would drink the fluid as adults of another cow, like say I just had a baby and so I didn't, but just say I just had a baby Yeah, and <laughs> too late for that. Um, and I, I've been pumping my milk and I have some extra milk and I call you up and I say, Hey, Rip, I have all this extra milk and um, I'm going to make an Alfredo sauce from it. So do you want to come over, you and your wife want to come over and have some pasta and with my milk (laughs) and the Alfredo sauce, you'd be like, hell no. Not today. Not today. Maybe, maybe another time, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) But why we would drink the milk from a lactating cow, uh, you know, a different species, at least, you know, me, I'm, I'm taking a shower. I'm eating well, I'm, you know, happy, healthy, well person, but we're eating, we're eating dairy and drinking milk from this, this cow that basically has been impregnated Unnaturally, when people say, oh, milk, at least it's natural. It's like, you know, I'm like, uh, somebody shoved his arm up a cow's, you know what, with a handful of sperm from us, from a bull that they jerked off and delivered it into this cow. I mean, it's the most unnatural, sad, sad thing I've, I've, I've ever thought of. And, and then this cow becomes pregnant and she has to be constantly giving milk, right? Constantly giving milk. So she's impregnated over and over and over again. And she's standing on concrete and she's got, um, you know, stuff hooked up to her teats And so the stress of that and the relentless milking, you know, after years, she often gets a very painful infection called mastitis, which is super painful and could be fatal to cows. And because of that infection, you know, when you get infection, you have pus. I mean, that's what the body does. It's all these cells and it's really pussy. So milk very often is contaminated with pus and 
and blood. I mean, it's pretty disgusting. And so of course they pasteurize it and sterilize it and all of that stuff, but I don't care, you know, I don't care how much sterilizing they do. There's blood and pus in that milk at some point. I'm not interested. So it, it really is kind of gross. And, but we try to talk about things in the book in a very, you know, not traumatizing way. We don't want to traumatize anyone, not too many details, just really short little, um, chapters. And when I say a chapter, I mean like a page or two and just like, here's the point about this just keep that in your mind. And and then you realize, Oh my God, I'm drinking, you know, a glass full of poison basically. So. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me just say that this is, it's adorable. It is these delicious bite-sized chapters. Uh, I've been carrying it in my rear pocket, right. When I, when I drive, when I go and at the dinner table, you know, we read three chapters yesterday, each, each one of the children read one. Oh, I love and, that. And on my nightside table now. Anyway, you you and Jean did a fantastic job with that book. Thank um, you. And this is, it's yeah. like, you know, all this stuff, you know, this is a great example. So this book is not only for people who are curious, they've heard the word vegan or plant-based and are like, what's it all about? I mean, is that the same thing as keto? So it's for those people who are interested, but it's also for people like you and me or people who are already plant-based that they're getting questions all the time. I don't know about you, Rip, but it's like, sometimes you feel like as a vegan or a plant strong person, you have to be a walking database of the statistics and numbers and all of that stuff. And when people start asking me, well, why, why exactly shouldn't I have, you know, meat for, for climate change? What does that have to do with it? So it's for people who are already there, but they, it's just like, give this to your friends and family when they're asking this, you know, how about the protein or, you know, what's wrong with eating cheese or what about fish? I'm a pescatarian. It's like, here's it, here's the book. It just answers everything. There's the facts. So it's, it's good for people like us who are, are advocates of this lifestyle. And so I think because of a lot of your followers and, and certainly um, my people, they're already, they're already there, but they needed a good tool for advocacy. Yes. So I, I, I want to definitely hit on some of the 72, but I'd love to you go for you to go back to your journey. So you're mm-hmm. making this crazy smoothie with the milk and the egg. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so I'm having the fact that I didn't die of salmonella is very impressive, you know, eating raw eggs like that um, on a daily basis, but, uh, youth, right. So, so anyway, I ate everything under the sun. I didn't think twice about it. My mother was a great mother. My dad was not, a, you know, a, a mean guy cause he's doing steak. And I went out with friends. There was nothing unusual about it. So when I, so wait, did I tell you? Okay. So I'm playing with, I'm having this thought and I'm, I'm playing with my dog, Lotsi at the time. I, I started realizing, you know, all of this stuff, but it's in the back of my mind. I didn't do anything about it. So one day I was about 17 and a half years ago. I'm playing with my dog, Lotsi, and she's on her back. And, you know, when dogs kick up their, their little, you know, feet and, and um, I could swear she was smiling. And I, I thought to myself, Oh, I just love animals. They're, they're, they're just, they're just so wonderful. And this little voice inside of me said, well, if you love animals so much, why are you eating them? And I guess it was the voice of my conscience. Um, but I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> That's like the ultimate inconvenient truth, you know? So I, I just did this thought experiment as I sat there with my dog, Lotsi, and I, I, I knew her so well. She's not with me anymore. Cause you know, that was a long time ago, but she, I knew what made her anxious, what made her scared. I knew what made her happy. I knew what made her shake and I would do anything to keep this dog from suffering in any way. Right. I just was so protective of her. I just loved her so much. So I started doing this thought experiment of what if she was in the slaughter line? Cause really we know there's no difference between a dog and a pig or a dog and a chicken or a cow or whatever. All animals are sentient. They have feelings. They can anticipate, they have fear, you know, they can smell, they know what's going on. They're putting the pieces together. So I started picturing my dog Lotsi in the slaughter line and how terrified she would be. 
And I thought, oh my God, this is what animals are going through on a daily basis. Billions and and I would be like now and now and now and now an animal, a lovely animal is going through that right now. And I don't mean to be woo woo, but that is what Rip brought me into it. I just thought I do not want to be someone who eats animals. And I'm like, okay, but I grew up eating everything. I currently eat everything. I mean, I'd eat pate, foie gras. I mean, whatever. I ate it all, you know, how in the world am I going to not eat animal products? Cause I eat them at least three times a day, probably the snacks too, you know? So I, um, I thought, you know, I am just going to set my intention again. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to lean into it. I am going to have the spirit of curiosity and adventure and see what kind of recipes I can find and go to the grocery store, spend a little bit more time seeing what's out there. And I'm just going to nudge myself along and I'm not going to pressure myself. I, I, I'm not on a timeline and I'm just going to lean into it. And so it took me about a year, year and a half to be to become fully vegan. And I didn't have a timeline, but um, it worked out. And that way, because I leaned into it, I didn't, you know, stress myself out so much to do it overnight. It stuck because I found my footing and I got comfortable with it. When you wrote a whole book on that too, right? The lean, the 30 day, 30 day program. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the lean is also about leaning into plant-based, but it's also about getting lean in your body. So it's for people who are looking to lose weight. That's a good double entendre there. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, What did you notice so you said you started this about 17 years ago. Yeah. And what did you notice from being a three-time meat eater, including snacks, mm. to now over the course of a year, you know, going all the way 100% vegan? Well, the first thing I noticed was my energy was just so much better. So I, I my nickname among my friends back then was Slug. <laughs> <laughs> They called me, hey, sluggy. And because I was like a slug, I was always like, let's just go. Let's just stay and watch a movie or, you know, I just didn't have a lot of energy. I was just, I was slug, sluggish, you know? And um, so that changed. I mean, I just, I, 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 it's probably from the fiber because, you know, it's, it's straightening out my, uh, my blood sugar. I, I don't have all that fat, saturated fat weighing me down, clogging up my arteries. So my, my energy, and that was to me, having good energy is the stuff of life, you know, cause you can deal with things if you have alertness and a, you know, a, a, some vitality. And so, so that was the first thing I noticed. Um, the second thing I noticed is that my skin cleared up. I had always had kind of bad skin, you know, right around here. I had pimples and always like kind of right beneath the surface and, um, and sallow. I had just like a, it just not a good skin tone and I'm vain. I'm vain. Wait, weren't, you, weren't you also a Ford model or a model? Weren't you? I was, and I got, I got sent home from a lot of jobs. And I remember I lived in Paris and they said they would go really in close and say, Oh, le petit bouton, c'est pas, c'est pas bon. And le petit bouton is a, a pimple. Yeah. The little button. And uh, so I, I would get sent home and I was also too heavy, you know, to get uh, to be a real editorial model. I was actually a, I, I thrived doing German catalog. <laughs> so but but I was always a little a little heavy, you know. Um, so I I I lost I lost a little bit of weight. I didn't need to lose a lot, but I, I just what I I was, I think with plant-based food, you get to where you're supposed to be. You know, some people need to gain some weight. Some people need to lose some weight. You just, your body finds where it should be, where it thrives. And for me, I just needed to lose a little bit of weight. So I did that and uh, my skin cleared up. So the vanity was totally, um, totally scored. (laughs) scored. Yeah. Yeah. So that felt really good, but most of all rip, I think um, for me, I, there is something that happened that there was a numbness around my heart because I think that 
in order to eat animals, because by now everybody has some idea of like where this stuff is coming from. You're, you're not under a rock. You have some idea, even if you really haven't investigated. So there has to be a certain amount of numbness. And I think I had a certain amount of numbness because I was like, yeah, I'll have some foie gras and I'm a big steak eater, you know, being all macho and everything. And so what happened is once I wasn't eating animals, I didn't have to be so shut down and something opened up and, and now I feel so connected to in my friendships and relationships in, you know, with, with people, I just feel more connected to life because Mm -hmm. I don't, um, I, I, I I haven't numbed myself out, you know, and that feels really good because every day I get to live out my values and, and, you know, I have pretty basic values, you know, kindness, mercy, you know, being a good steward of the planet. And so I get to every day that I eat this way, I get to sort of practice what internally makes me feel good. So there's a contentedness that I have that I, I, I never experienced before that feels really good. Yeah. Well, that's, it's nice when you're living in complete alignment with your values Right. Mm-hmm. And living your, you know, living what I think is your truth. Yeah. Which, which you now feel and it, it feels really nice. Yeah, it really does. We'll be right back to the interview. But first, I want to talk about cooking with ease. If you know anything about my family, you know that we love to cook simple, plant strong meals. And I want to virtually invite you right into our kitchen with the plant strong meal planner. So many of my family's favorite recipes are right there for you to make for your own families or even make together like we do. Earlier this year, we launched a special promotion and we've been really surprised at how much you've enjoyed it. For the first time, we offered a 14-day free trial to test drive our Plant Strong Meal Planner so that you can come in and really kick the tires before deciding if it's right for you. Exciting news, we're bringing it back so more of you can take advantage simply visit mealplanner.plantstrong.com today and enter the code STARTFRESH to redeem your two-week trial. Check out the database filled with hundreds of recipes, see instructional cooking videos, make and save personal menus, and shop using our adaptive grocery list. You can even load and save your own recipes so this meal planner becomes your wingman or wing woman in the kitchen saving you loads of time and ensuring you use up all those vegetables. Again, free trial for the first time and for a limited time, go to the show notes or visit mealplanner.planstrong.com and enter the code STARTFRESH. Yes, you have to enter a credit card, but you won't be charged if you cancel before the trial ends and that's simply a click of a button. Enjoy the test drive and get cooking. First, let me say, you know, in um, preparation for this, I looked at, you know, your Instagram uh, and and it's, it's, it's fabulous. I just can't believe how insanely organized it is. Like when you look at it and, you know, the way you have your quotes and then the photos and they're all perfectly Uh, like, oh, some, somebody is not that hard, Rip. It's just. One day is a picture. The next day is some writing. The next day is a picture. The next day is it. it's not it. that hard. I get it. I get it. But it's, it's for somebody like me, it's impressive looking. So I just like to know that. But you have a quote there and it's this to me is very appropriate. You say, I care less about being happy and more about living my truth. Yes. Yes. And that's really true. I, I you know, I think there are people and I, don't fault anyone just for having the vivaciousness of life and just wanting to taste everything and just be happy and, you know, party and all that stuff. I tend to, I feel very content if I'm living my truth, if I'm being my, um, my truest self, you know, and which is, probably pretty dorky and, but introverted and all that stuff. And if I'm telling the truth and I'm having real connections, I care more about that 
than being in the right place and, you know, knowing all the right people and all that stuff and having fun. I just, I just want to feel like I have a meaningful life. And I think that for me, a meaningful life is having good connections with the people that I know and having a great conversation. Like this is a really great conversation that I, I, I really appreciate. And, um, and that makes me really happy. It's, but it's a different kind of happiness. It's a contentedness, you know, it's a being in my skin. I hear you, sister. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And all that. And it's, I think it's one of the reasons why we both connect so well with Gene Stone, right? I mean, Gene, yes. he's a really wonderful conversationalist. And yeah. not only does Gene uh, have a lot of great things to say, but he also listens really well. So that's the, he's, and he's so damn smart and he's so, um, uh, instinctive, you know, he's very, very good. Yeah. yeah, he really is. He pulls things out of you. It's like, well, I don't know why I'm telling you all my secrets, but I am. You well, know? And that was the brilliance of Gene, especially in my first book, the engine Two engine Two diet, because we were trying to figure out like, well, how do we start this book off? Yeah. And then Gene was like, tell me just the scariest, worst moment ever as a firefighter, like the most crazy fire you ever made. Oh, wow. And, and I wrote it all up and that's how we began the whole thing. And it was like, amazing. everything fell into, fell into place. But amazing. so you have a, you have a chapter in 72 reasons called martinis, coffee, fun. <laughs> so, so you do like to have a little fun in it. Girl likes her vodka. What can I tell you? I mean, you know, clearly I didn't come into this just for the health. I, but you know, I, I love a vodka martini, uh, on a Saturday night. I love a glass of wine during the week. You know, I love a cup of coffee in the morning. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the point of that chapter was that more things are vegan already than you even know. It's like, you're, you do not have to be living, you know, in a monastery with a white robe and eating sprouts. It's just not like that. You know, you can actually have fun. My favorite restaurant in uh, Santa Barbara is Lucky's Steakhouse. Cause I, they make a really, if you're into martinis, yeah. I mean, it's perfection. It's like just the little ice crystals at the top and the, the glass is perfect and it's really nice. And all my friends love to go there, but they didn't have anything that was uh, vegan there. So I, I, I talked to the manager and he said, Kathy, this is a steakhouse. We're not a vegetarian restaurant. I'm like, I know, but I would spend money here because I'm coming for the martini. But if you had like a, you know, a burger or, so he put an amazing tofu dish on just to test it out and it did really well. So, yeah. So I like, I like to have uh yeah, I like to have, you know, a nice Saturday night cocktail. Another thing that you have on your Instagram feed that really, you know, I liked it said, you know what I like about people, <laughs> their dogs. And I always am interested to know, okay, I wonder what this family's dog is like, because their dog. Yeah usually says volumes about the yeah. family. So yeah, mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like animals are often much easier to deal with than humans. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, they tend to be very simple. And my dog is just, you know, she's great in every way dogs are, but she's particularly neurotic, you know, and I just love her for that too. It's like, I love all of her craziness. I love her insecurity. She came from a bad place. I love her neediness. You know, I just, I just, all of that stuff. And it's very, it's teaching about me because I think, well, gosh, I love her for all her, you know, um, flaws, which they're not flaws. So, you know, we don't have to be perfect. We're, we're likable, even though we are neurotic, you know, or, you know, needy or whatever it is. It's like, we learn a lot from animals. I've learned a lot from my dog, you know, but, um, it's funny because another, another post that I did, I said, I'm an imperfect vegan. And I don't know if you saw that, but I saw that it's got like 800 comments. I mean, people just flock to it. Why do you think that is? Well, the, the interesting thing is, you know, I got a lot of positive comments, but I got a lot of really nasty comments too. And mm-hmm. this is why I love, you know, I love 
sort of talking about the ish, you know, that you can be vegan ish or, you know, whatever, just leaning into it. Cause there were some comments that, cause I told a story about how I have an old pair of Uggs that I, that are 20 years old. I bought them way before I was, you know, into all of this stuff and I don't wear them out in public, you know, but I wear them around the house cause they're cozy and I just never got rid of them. So I told that story and I said, um, something about, Oh, when I was first vegan, I think I said like five years in, but it was actually a year in, I just craved a tuna sandwich. I was like, and, and I'm being honest with my people. Cause I I'm all about, you know, let's just tell the truth. And I said, I, I really craved a tuna sandwich. So I went into a deli and I got a tuna sandwich. My favorite lunch of all time was a tuna sandwich with potato chips and a diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. So I went home and I had, I opened the tuna fish sandwich and I like took a bite. And I was like, meh, it wasn't even good. It was like fishy because yeah. it's tuna fish. And um, so I talked about it in the spirit of, listen, we all kind of make bloopers along the way and, you know, have a little thing that we go out on. And that doesn't mean that you are, you know, so horrible, you get kicked out of the club or something. And um, so I, I posted about that. And I had some of the most nasty comments from these hardcore vegans saying that I was a murderer and I set veganism back by decades and I should be deeply ashamed of myself and you know all of this stuff and I thought I have a thick skin when it comes to this stuff because I know myself and I know I'm you know compassionate and kind and so nobody can tell me that I'm a murderer and that I'm you know an asshole. So I, I was okay with that, but it was very good for me to see because I think some people, their exposure to veganism is to someone like that, who is shaming and bullying and, you know, militant. And they think, oh my God, I have to be perfect. Like overnight, I have to be perfect or I can't, I can't do this. And and I think it's really important for people to know that you don't have to be perfect. You just be as vegan as you can be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, you'll find your footing and you'll find your way. And for me, it's like, I'm completely vegan. And I, well, I think I am, but I'm there. I'm joyous about it. I love it. But if, if I had to switch like that overnight, I, I would have been, I would have been, I would have been miserable and I couldn't keep it up. Yeah. So you probably got some un- unsubscribes, right? <laughs> probably, probably, but that's okay. Cause I mean, the, I think other people were like, yeah, I'm imperfect too. And then they would tell me what they do, you know, like yeah. once a year, I, you know, my mom gives me this birthday cake and it probably has eggs in it or whatever. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. Just do the best you can do. Well, and- I think, I, think I, I heard or read a quote, I think it's in 72 reasons to be vegan where you know, you're, you're much more about progress than you are perfection. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I take that from 12 step program. Cause I used to go to Al-Anon yeah. and they always say progress, not perfection. And I just love that. It's like, do the best you can. You do, you do not have to be perfect. It's like, I think it was Victor Hugo. I'm not sure who said, um, perfection is the enemy of the good. Yeah. And that's, really true. If like, we're going to hold out for things to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, guess what? You know, decades will go by because that's not going to happen. So we might as well start now and do the best that we can and keep reaching for the better. Yeah. It's obvious that you, the more people that you can get to go vegan, the the more animals that will be saved. Mm -hmm. And is it fair to say that? Yes, we, we know that it's, you're helping the environment and it's the healthiest way to eat. But is it fair to say for you, your your core pillar is to save the animals? Well, for me, it's my core pillar is to um, live according to my values to the best that I can. And that would mean kindness and mercy. So it's not showing mercy to just like let that animal go through that because I have a hankering for a pork chop. You know, that's not showing mercy. And and um, so so 
Yeah, I do think about the animals and what we, I worked with, we worked with a scientist, no more, who's just brilliant. And he ran all these numbers. Yeah. And so someone who goes vegan saves 207 and a half animals per year. And, and do we know, is that like cows, yeah. pigs and a lot of them are fish. A lot of them are fish because they're smaller animals, you know? So it's like when you, if you're going at it from an ethical place, you want to give up the smaller animals first. Cause there's that many more units of suffering, you know, chickens are smaller than, uh, than cows. So if you're going to give up one animal at a time, you want to give up chickens before you give up cows, you know, because the units of suffering are so many, so much more with the smaller animals. Right. So um, a lot of that is uh, our fish, but fish, as we know, feel pain, they're sentient. They, they absolutely uh, feel, you know, pain and misery, you know, just like other animals do. So that's, they're worthwhile to me too. And we all, you also have a chapter in there uh, along with fish feel pain, but mm-hmm. also I think it's chickens like to cuddle. So is yeah. that- chickens like to be cuddled. I mean, yeah. Do they, do they really? I mean, I, I do. I, well, here's the thing about animals is that some of them are cranky and some of them are lovable. Some of them are needy. Some of them are, you know, jealous. So just like with people, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, you know, some person loves affection. Another one doesn't like to be touched, you know, cause they're traumatized or whatever. So there's all different kinds, but um, yeah, they kind of generally do like to be cuddled. Yeah. And, and when I was talking to Jean, I had Jean on the podcast. We talked about how some cows like to have, like to listen to um, classical music, <laughs> classical music. And really they, adore classical music. They didn't. They didn't go for the uh, hard rock. They weren't. They they weren't into metal. Uh, yeah, that that is funny. Well, you know, I had an I had an old girlfriend who had two cows. She had a sheep. She had a donkey. She had chickens. And every morning, these two cows would come up to the house, and each one had a very distinct personality. Mm. And, and literally, we fell in love with these cows, the oh. donkey, the chickens. And it isn't in, 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 until you're really around a lot of these animals day after day after day that you realize that each and every one of them has their own distinct personality. Yeah, it's like incredible. You, like you've said a number of times, they're very sentient. They yeah. are very caring, feeling, wonderful. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And that's what we'd like to do in the book. There's some of that feel good stuff like, you know, um, pigs are super smart and chickens like to be cuddled. And then there's the stuff of like, this is why you might want to reconsider eating fish, you know, and this is, this is a story about longevity. And so there, there's a balance. It's the book was written for the ADD person. <laughs> it's like, there's a, it's not organized in sections. It's like, here's a little bit of this and here's a hit of this. And, you know, so it's just kind of, you go in and find what's interesting to you. You don't have to read it from beginning to end. Well, it's just little sections of different information. Well, it's perfect for, you know, today's kind of microwave mentality, right? Yes. Well put. Hit it out of the park. I never Uh, heard that expression. That's great. You guys have a a bunch of chapters on sex, right? So basically you have one on, um, you know, dude, your erections, and then it's hashtag, you know, better longer, right? (laughs) That sounds pretty good. You have one for, for women, right? Gals. Written by. Gals, your clitoris. Is it clitoris or clitoris? I think either way goes. Okay. Okay. But you know, you know, gals, your clitoris, and then it's hashtag orgasms. Hello. Do you know who wrote that chapter? Uh, I, I, well, I know who helped. Yes. <laughs> My sister Jane, right? Yeah. She was fantastic. She just explained the whole biological process of uh, um, getting aroused and uh, orgasm. So both those reasons to me are why vegans have better sex. Hello. I mean, if nothing else, like why not do it for that, right? Better circulation. Same thing that clogs up the arteries that go to your heart, your brain, same thing goes to the, to the tender bits. And so, (laughs) you know, you get that, you get that clear circulation all over your body. It just kind of works all around. Absolutely. Um, let me pivot here and go to, so, so many people these days 
think they need to be taking $100, $200 worth of supplements every mm-hmm. month, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, you find when you're eating a plant-based diet, you need to take supplements? Well, uh, you know, studies would show that actually people uh, do not do as well with supplements, like they actually suffer other kinds of uh, things. So it's, you know, the most amazing thing about nature is that everything is out there. You eat a, a beautiful, colorful diet. You're getting all kinds of phytonutrients, vitamins, minerals, you're getting all the fiber and all that stuff. You really don't have to worry about supplementing as long as you're eating enough calories, as you know, you're going to get what you need. Um, vegans do need B12 because B12, as you know, is comes from the dirt and the digestion. So animals eat that dirty stuff and it happens in their system. And then when we eat their flesh, we get the B12. Um, but we're, we're, we live in a world where everything is so clean now. So we're not eating, uh, blueberries that have, you know, dirt and muck all over it. So we do need to supplement with B, uh, B12, Um, but even adults who are meat eaters don't absorb, absorb B12 very well. So they would probably do well to take B12 as well. Yeah. So I just do a little squirt under my tongue. Yeah. You do it daily. Daily. I I put it right on my vanity where I'm about to, you know, put my makeup on. And I, and so it reminds me, I'm like, oh yeah, do a little squirt and that's it. You take any other supplements besides B12? I don't. Uh uh You? I don't, um, you know, I'd say once a year, I get kind of my levels checked on my vitamin D and, you know, calcium and all that stuff. And they're always just perfect or, yeah, or amazing. closer to, you know, high, which is yeah. good. My B12. I mean, there was a year where I didn't supplement on B12 and I still was like 925 and the range is two, 250 to oh. 1200. But I think it's because I did so much Red Star Nutritional Yeast. I did a yeah. lot of fortified plant-based milk. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Oh, that's true. When the, that stuff is fortified. So you're, you're definitely covered and who knows? I mean, maybe you don't, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to hedge my bets and take it. It's not harmful. So I'm taking it. And then there's, you know, there's a lot of noise out there about, you know, taking different kind of omega threes, the DHA and the EPA. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I haven't messed with any of that. I just, you know, I do my my ground flaxseed meal, my yeah. peas, my walnuts, my yeah. green leafies, my soybeans. And I think you're um, good. You're yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, look at you. Come on. You're good. <laughs> you're good. No, you're. Uh, I told my doctor, she, every time I go in, uh, she takes my blood. She goes, this is really good. You should publish <laughs> it. I'm like, I, I just wish you would start telling your patients, you know, to eat more plant-based, you know, because it, it really, if people knew how good your levels are of all of these different things, there's like inflammatory markers, all of these things that, that show up in your blood. Um, you just thrive with this kind of food. Yeah. Let's talk beans for a second, because I, I'm sure you love beans. I love beans. I mean, I like to have beans if I can at least twice a day. You guys have a whole chapter, you know, beans can help you live longer, but Mm -hmm. there's so much noise around beans right now, especially with the plant paradox and the lectins and stuff like that. What's so good about beans and how can they help me live longer? Well, the funny thing about uh, the lectins and everything is so interesting. It's kind of like soy. It's like, let's get out in front and, you know, sort of muddy the water. So people will be confused that maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little conspiracy theory, but I think there's some like, you know, weird industry tampering. I, I don't know, but beans are, beans have been around staple food for the people who live the longest in the world for many, many centuries. I mean, you know, the blue zones are Dan Buettner, the National Geographic uh, founder of the blue zones and the places in the world where people live the longest are the healthiest and also kind of the happiest eat beans every day. Um, They eat soybeans in Okinawa, um, all kinds of beans in Sardinia and, you know, Loma Linda, they're eating chickpeas and all, all kinds of stuff. So beans are, beans are, and Dan would say that beans are a superfood. Like if you have to find one kind of food, that's a superfood beans would be it. And they're so inexpensive. They're so 
full of fiber. One cup of lentils is 17 grams of protein. One egg is only six grams of proteins, mm. three, basically three of it in the, in the white, three of it in the yolk. So if you're only eating the whites, you're getting three grams of protein per egg. It's like, it, it doesn't make sense. And then one cup of lentils is so small. You're probably having a few cups of lentils. So that's, that's a lot of protein that you're getting. Plus you're getting all the minerals and vitamins and fiber that comes along with beans where eggs you're getting lots of cholesterol, you're getting uh, saturated fat, you're getting all that inflammatory protein, and you're not even getting enough of what you're saying that you want, which is protein. So well, with the eggs, I, I, I love saying and I think I first heard this from Neil Barnard is there's only two things wrong with the egg, <laughs> the yolk and the white. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's good. <laughs> you talk about how this lifestyle is an ongoing adventure. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. last chapter. It's chapter number 72. How, how is this an ongoing adventure for you? For me, it, uh, so when I became vegan, I was out at dinner with a friend and I, somehow we were talking about it and she points down at my feet. She said, what are they? And I said, feet. And she said, no, what are you wearing on your feet? And I said, shoes. She said, what are they made of? And I said, leather. And she said, so don't talk to me about vegan if you're wearing leather. And then I, and I was so thrown off, you know, and I was like, then I realized I'm like, that's where progress, not perfection came along. And it's like, I'm on my process. I didn't think about that yet. I, you know, may not give up leather. I don't know, but it, it was, it, I think sometimes people find an excuse. Like if you can't do everything, don't even do anything. And so, um, I was a little defensive. And then I thought, you know, I would like to sort of be someone who didn't wear animal stuff on her feet. I would like that, but rip, it was a lot harder to get rid of my Manola Blahniks than it was to get rid of the steak. Uh -huh. I mean, girl like shoes. I loved shoes. I loved my shoes. So I was like, I'm just not quite ready to do that. And so what I did is I went about it in the same spirit as I did about the food. And that's, and that is adventure. Like I'm going to make this like a sport, like what kind of stuff can I find that is not made of leather? You know, things that I like shoes that I like brands that, you know, have cool shoes. And, um, so I didn't do it like that, but I started next time I needed a pair of boots. I, I made it my business to find a pair of boots that were not made from, uh, leather mm -hmm. and little by little, I just got that out of my life, but that's, but that's what the chapter means. It's like, you can take this as far as you want. You can keep going. You know, we only talk about food in this book. This is not about being hardcore vegan, like with every everything. But the last chapter is it's an ongoing adventure. Take it as far as you want. If you want to keep going and learn more about that stuff, you may, you may want to keep, keep, you know, have nothing from an animal. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. And it's interesting. You know, when I started this in 1987, I did it first and foremost, primarily because I wanted to be the best athlete that I could be. Right. And I was just, I was eating this way to fuel myself in a way that would allow that to happen. And then, you know, it was, oh my God, I can prevent heart disease and all this other stuff. And obviously the research from my father at the Cleveland clinic. Yeah. And then it was really my kid. Once I had kids, I realized, oh my God, we're eating all these animals that mm. we talk about in the little red barn and Charlotte's web and Noah's wow. Ark, and oh my God, how that is so wrong. And now look where we are now. I mean, back in 2010, 11, 12, I was meeting with a lot of people about what can, what can we do mm. for people to eat this way? Because we're burying this world, right? I mean, yeah. climate change, it's just disastrous. And so um, you're right. This is an ongoing adventure in learning uh, all of our truths. And I, it's, what's funny is to me, it all comes back and intersects and it's, it's plants. It's yeah. plants, you know, that's right. That's right. That's great. I love that. Really? And you say that so perfectly. That's great.
So since you and Gene have written this book, and I, because, you know, I haven't written nine books, I've written four books, but, but in each one is a, oh my gosh, what a process. And it's usually about two years or so. Do you have any more books on the horizon right now? Oh my gosh. You know, I always say no, and then I end up writing another one. So I think that the next book that I write, even though I don't want to write another one, but as I said, I don't know how to do anything but write. So I probably will. I think it's going to be something more personal, something like, um, you know, I kind of started dabbling around just how to, how, how to move forward in your life. It's going to be more of an emotional Mm. thing um, than a vegan thing. It's just going to be basically how to cope, how to, I I don't know. It's just sort of in my mind, but it'll definitely be a a more emotionally driven book because veganism is all about the facts. So much is about facts. Like, like I said, you have to be a walking database. It's like, I'm an environmental scientist and then I'm a medical expert and then I'm an, you know, animal welfare. And I have to know all this stuff, which is why we wrote the book. So we didn't have to remember all that stuff. But I think um, where I live is more of a, of an emotional uh, connected sort of conceptual person. So I think I want to, I want to write something like that, but I don't know yet. Yeah. Well, if that's what's percolating, then, you know, go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So since you've written 72 reasons to, uh, to be vegan and, you know, you have to, you had to send it in and okay, we're done at 72. Have you now been going, Oh my God, I can't believe we forgot this one or this one. And it should have been 85. No, no, because when we started, if we, we started, Gene has one that he wanted to add, which is like ridiculous. I don't know if he told you about it, but I think, I think we just stopped when, you know, it started to feel like it was repetitive or something. And he was really rooting for this other uh, reason. Did he tell you what it was? No, but I've got one or a couple that you need to add for your next edition. <laughs> What he is- had something sci-fi about an alien. If an alien were to come down and, you know, I don't know. It was, I think, I think you have to be into sci-fi to understand. <laughs> so I was like, no, we're good. We're good. And I'm also about let's, let's not overwhelm people too. You know, yeah. let's just, let's just get the basics down here. Keep it simple, keep it digestible. Yeah. And there could always be volume too. You never know. What was, what was the, were you, were you and Gene always copacetic or was there a time when you guys kind of went at it as far as, no, we're not going to have that or have that or yes. Uh, we never went at it. Definitely not. We, we're very, uh, simpatico. So, uh, uh, oh, sometimes he thinks I write like a girl, you know? So, <laughs> so, cause the, it's by both of us. And so there were times when he'd be like, Kathy, no, a guy is not going to want to read that. You know what I mean? And I was like, but that's, you know, so we, our personalities kind of with each chapter, cause we split up the book. He wrote half, I wrote half. And so, you know, some of them are more um, yeah. emotionally driven than others, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think another reason, I mean, there's so many reasons, but the dishes, doing the dishes is so easy when you eat plants. I know. It's so great. It's so great. And you don't have to wear a hazmat suit in the kitchen. <laughs> there you go. No hazmat. That's number 73. No hazmat suit required. Right. And all the salmonella. It's like when you're cooking chicken and eggs, and all this stuff, it's like, you better put on your gloves, your hood, all this stuff because the, and I'm a bit of a germ thing. But it's like, oh, my God, I can just picture the germs crawling over the counter and contaminating. And it's like, don't have to worry about that. It's so great. Yeah. Kathy, this has been spectacular. Thank you for spending some time on the Plant Strong podcast with, with me and all the listeners. You are a beacon of light, of hope, of inspiration. Thank you so much for following your truth, even though it's not necessarily the easiest path. It's the one that makes you the most happy and helps so many other people and animals and the planet. Thank you. Yeah. Throwing the planet in there. Thank you for that, Rip. I love, love, love our conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Can you follow me? Peace. Peace. Turn it around. Engine two. Engine two. Keep it plant strong.
Plan strong. Love it. I am so happy to have been the one to introduce Kathy and Jean to each other so many years ago. And not only have they developed a wonderful friendship, but now they have written this great book together. And the subtitle speaks for itself. Why plant-based? Why now? These aren't questions. These are bold statements, and I'm happy to have been able to introduce many of these reasons with you over the last two weeks. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, if you want to learn more about the book or any of our resources, simply visit plantstrongpodcast.com. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true. I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.